does everybody need a privacy policy? No. So does a window cleaner need a privacy yeah. policy? So it, yeah. so, so you need a privacy policy if your website is collecting personal information. Right. So if your website is collecting names, emails, phone numbers, addresses, or IP addresses, or really any information that could identify somebody, mm -hmm. then you need to have a privacy policy. If you have a vision for the agency you want to build, then we want to help you build it. Welcome to the Agency Hour podcast, brought to you by Agency Mavericks. Welcome to the Agency Hour. This is episode 437 in the Digital Mavericks Facebook group. Hey, uh, today we have a very special guest. We're supposed to have three, actually, but there's only one in the green room. One, Christina Hawkins, just has not turned up, and I think it's because daylight savings has bitten her in the ass, and she probably thinks it's in an hour's time. And true story, our actual guest this week thought the same thing and just kind of ran in at the last minute and went, oh, my God, with the sweat dripping off his brow. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm running late. I thought this was in an hour's time. And uh, oh, there we go. Marcel Allen figured it out and has given StreamYard permission for us to know who she is. Yay, Marcel. Welcome to the show. Of course, for those of you listening to this as a podcast and not watching in the Facebook group, this will be incredibly boring for you because you won't know what we're talking about. If you do happen to be listening to this at some point in the future and you're not watching the interaction, you should join the Digital Mavericks Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com, search for Digital Mavericks and join the group and then you can watch the video here and see what all the fun is about. So today, our very special guest on the Agency Hour is a gentleman I met while I was out in the United Kingdom at an event run by Lee Jackson called, I think it was called Agency Transformation Live. I was one of the speakers out there, as was this gentleman. And I ran into this gentleman uh, who uh, cornered me at the back of the room and said, Oi, you come here. I want to have a chat with you. And we got chatting. And he'd flown out from the States uh, to this event. And he has become very well known in our circles over the last, I don't know, maybe a couple of years that, that he's been here. And uh, he also then came out to our event in Santa Monica, sponsored one of our events in Santa Monica, and we've had a great friendship and a great relationship over the last couple of years. Of course, I am talking about the one and only Hans Skilrod from Termageddon. Come on down. Hey, dude, did I say your name right? You did, and that's a heck of an introduction. Well, dude, I have to say, you know, uh, your energy at Agency Transformation at, in the UK was blazing. You lit the room up, dude, with uh, how passionate you were and how grateful you were to be at that event. I remember you standing up and saying something like, I wish this event existed when I had an agency. Look around. This is an amazing network you guys have got. You're sitting on a gold mine. Make the most of it. By the way, I've just, I've, I just, I found out about this event like two days ago, got on a plane from Chicago, and here I am. So, for those that have been living under a rock for the last couple of years, tell people who you are and how you got to where you are now. Yeah. And, and, and why you're in the TARDIS. It looks like you're actually in the TARDIS. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is, this is what powers Termageddon. So, you know, uh, I always got to be in front of it, protecting it at all times. But, um, but yeah, my name is Hans. I'm one of the co-founders of Termageddon. Uh, Termageddon is an auto-updating website policy solution. Uh, we offer privacy policies, terms of service, and all those other boring things that you probably have to deal with when building websites for clients. Um, uh, we pr primarily work with uh, web designers. Uh, we have a, like a reseller program and an affiliate program. And really, we just built Termageddon to... Well, one, be comprehensive, which is what my wife does. Um, she's the privacy attorney and expert behind all that stuff. But 
Two, really just helping web agencies better communicate, you know, when clients need to have policies on their website. And um, yeah, we, we have a reseller and affiliate program that helps them out with that. So, you know, Troy brings up this moment when we first met at Agency Transformation Live. And, you know, what that was two years and like four months ago. And the reason why I can recall that so quickly is because that is one month after I sold my 12 person web agency. So I ran a 12 person web agency for seven years. I absolutely loved it. Um, I just happened to be marrying a privacy attorney. So we, we launched Termageddon, but I had just sold my agency and now my target market were web agencies. And here I was speaking to a community that, you know, we had so many similarities and so many great ways to learn from one another. It was, it was really my entry into my new business. And in a lot of ways, I look at it as like a symbolic moment in my life. Um, and I just, I felt like I found my people. So yeah, it was yeah, yeah. absolutely great meeting you, Troy. And, um, yeah. and I love it sponsoring was. your event and please call me whenever we can sponsor. I'm, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always ready. Always. Ready awesome. Uh, so there's a bit to unpack there, but I just want to go back a little a bit. I've never heard anyone describe their wife as comprehensive before. Here's my wife. She's <laughs> comprehensive. Um, <laughs> Comprehensive in all in all aspects of life. Now, she is a privacy attorney, so you know the the terms and conditions, the terms of service, the privacy policy, the cookie policy. Do you guys mm-hmm. do cookie policies? So, so he, he, here's here's my question: How do you turn? How do you build a business out of something that is perceived as a boring? Pain in the ass, must have. Oh, speak of the devil. Here comes my comprehensive wife. All right. <laughs> I am so sorry. Right on cue. Donata. Hi. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Agency Hour. Hans was just saying, he just described you as comprehensive. He said, uh, I, I married a privacy attorney. Uh, I sold the agency, uh, married a privacy attorney, and uh, what we help agencies do now is, is, is you know, terms and Conditions and policies and those sort of agreements, but really yeah. comprehensively because that is my wife. So he, he did describe you as comprehensive, and I'm just trying to unpack that a little bit and see if that's uh, yeah, true in other aspects of Very of your interesting life. way to describe your wife, I guess, is as <laughs> comprehensive. Well, when I first met my wife, when we first started dating, I said to her, you know, one thing I really like about you is you're reliable and she, she was like, oh, my God, how boring. I'm reliable. And I, I meant what I meant was that she was – she was consistent in her behavior. Like you knew what you were going to get, which was something that really appealed to me. Um, maybe because I'd been with some sociopaths in the past that I enjoyed the predictability of someone who actually said and did what they said they were going to do. Oh, that's sorry. Not a, um, a to a T too. Yeah. So, um, uh, so really interesting and very quick story. I'm sure we'll get back to the things that the people are here for. Of course. And we don't need to. We can just talk about life and philosophy if you like. I yeah, think that'd be. <laughs> well, real quick, last year, about a week before our wedding, uh, we were having this nice romantic dinner, champagne, oh, no. you know, like just, just a whole nine yards oh, at home. No. And he looks over and he says, you look so beautiful tonight. And I look over and he's talking to our dog. (laughs) So the romance is very much alive. Yeah. I'm I'm never going to hear the end of that one. I'm in trouble. I'm in the (laughs) doghouse with the beautiful dog. (laughs) I got to bring up, I got to bring up the candle after that is hilarious. Um, 
Hey, ladies and gentlemen, joining us all the way from Sugarland, Texas, a little bit late, and I'm going to grill her and throw her under a bus <laughs> and get her to explain why. Christina Hawkins, Hawkinator. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a little time zone issue there going on. So I told you it was daylight savings. I said daylight um, savings are just bitten you in the ass. I was we daylight a, savings happened for us a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah, I was having um, a Mavericks call. I was talking with some flight planning with a Maverick. So. Oh, uh-huh, there we go. There we it go. It was all oh, in good. You know. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, so, uh, Donata, before you um, – and Christina, before you guys gate crashed, this very private, intimate conversation that Hans and I were enjoying. Uh, I said to Hans, how do you turn a business – how do you make a business out of something that is perceived as something that is a boring, pain-in-the-ass, must-have compliance thing? How do you make it – apart from running the business from what looks like the inside of the Doctor Who TARDIS, <laughs> uh, apart from that, how do you – you, I know you guys have done a great job with the brand, but ha- like, how do you make this not boring and not a pain in the ass? Yeah. So in this situation, our entire business model is focusing on web agencies. And since I have experience being a web agency owner, I really just kind of wrote down everything I want to see both in a product and both in, in terms of education. And like something I like that seemed to strike well with the audience of web agencies is like, don't be pushy with sales. Just be educational. Um, give them something free to try out before they start advocating for it. Um, and give them the ability to make some recurring revenue. Um, all three of those were some key focuses we had. So when we branded it as Termageddon, um, we, we, we looked at other brands that we liked. And there was one company in particular called emailonacid.com and uh, mm-hmm. emailonacid.com is a tool I used when sending out email marketing campaigns for some of our bigger marketing clients mm-hmm. um, and email on acid would tell you, you know, Hey, send a test email to email on acid and then they will give you the, the layout look and feel on every device, every browser, um, every email uh, service provider. And that's kind of a boring offering, you know, like just launching that business, but the whole branding behind email on acid, I can't help but remember the name forever. And I was thinking, you know, with Termageddon, we have to have something we're, we're dealing with the most boring thing on earth. There's not one single web agency that got into business to deal with privacy policy. So this is a, Mm -hmm. this is a byproduct of running a profitable agency. It's like having to deal with the fact that that you're building websites that collect personal data and that's Mm -hmm. now regulated and now you have to deal with it. And so, we just felt like having a fun, loose approach matched who we are as people, but also, you know, um, could align with people that we're will- wanting to work with as well. So, and, you know, being in the realm of privacy law compliance, you know, we always had to back that up. So I may be like the loose, you know, loose kind of branding, fun, everything's fun kind of person. But, you know, Donat, since we last talked, Troy, Donata is now the chair of the American Bar Association's e-privacy committee. She's providing guidance wow. to U.S. legislators on how to write privacy laws. She's friends, wow. with the first, friends with the person who wrote Canada's privacy law, calls Australian government agencies all the time. Um, wow. So, you know, she, she we're able to also back up. Also described as the most boring person on earth. And comprehensive. <laughs> yeah. And comprehensive. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a nice comment. Nice wow, that's that's great positioning. Like having that, having those positions on on the board and having those connections is great positioning, and it makes you the ultimate authority. How, I'm going to ask the elephant in the room: How are you different to Termly or Are You Bender or any of those other services? For sure, um, our DNA is working with web agencies. So our platform is built 
specifically to help web agencies help their clients. Um, little examples like being able to duplicate licenses. So if you tend to build websites with a similar tech stack using, let's say, WordPress, Gravity Forms, Google Analytics, and maybe an active campaign com uh, connection, you can actually duplicate licenses to help expedite the uh, website policy generation process for your clients. Another great example is like um, the fact that licenses can be shared. So if you, you know, are reselling Termageddon, you can actually share the license with your client. By sharing the license with your client, that ensures they get not only access to update their policies whenever they want, but it also ensures that your client will receive updates whenever the laws change um, mm. so, and whenever we're updating their policies in the first place. So right. the biggest difference between us, in my opinion, is that, um, well, from a user standpoint, it's the um, those features that help support web agencies be as profitable as possible. Mm -hmm. Now, that being said, that's my perspective. And I'm sure, Donata, if you want to speak up yeah. on the comprehensiveness. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess for me, that's definitely not the most important difference. Um, to me, the most important difference is and no shade towards our competitors, uh, but our privacy policies that we generate for our clients actually include all the disclosures that are required by the privacy laws that apply to you. Mm -hmm. So the way the process works is as the first step, we actually help you determine what privacy laws apply to you. And then the remainder of the questions are based on that to make sure that you have all of the disclosures required by those laws that apply to you. And then we also keep track of privacy bills and laws a lot closer than our competitors do as well. So we keep track of all the bills in the United States, Australia, Canada, UK, EU, all of that. Um, and we make sure to update those privacy policies on time prior to the laws going into effect, um, which our competitors have failed to do on numerous occasions. And a, wow. a, real, a really good example is CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, which is California's second privacy law that's in effect. And so many of our competitors will say, do you want to be CCPA compliant? And you say yes or no. When in reality, it is it's that law was not created just to give businesses an option to comply or not. No. It is required by law if you do business in California and mm -hmm. if you meet one of the following three criteria: mm -hmm. if you generate more than $25 million in revenue, if you process the data of 50,000 more California consumers, or if you derive more than 50% of your business from selling the personal information of California mm -hmm. consumers. So you have to say yes to one of those three questions and do business in California for you to be forced to comply with CCPA. So our mm -hmm. tool is all about helping you figure out what, what laws you need to comply with in the first place. In the hopes that you, or uh, with the intent to ask you the questions that produce the disclosures actually required by the laws you need to comply with. This is this is a very good example because I, I've been through some of the competitors, and I'll name them. I've been through Termly and IU Bender, and I can't answer these questions. I don't know if I need to be CCPA compliant. Right. So guess what happens? I, yeah. Then I start going through the process and I'm like, fuck, this is going to take me three weeks to figure this out. I'm just going to put it in the too hard basket and pray mm -hmm. nobody sues me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And that's, and yeah. that is. And I think a great example too is Australia, right? So like one of the disclosures that you need to make under Australia's privacy law is whether you subscribe to any Australia privacy codes. Termly and Ayubenda don't ask those questions just because I think they don't have the legal team or the infrastructure in place to know what those laws actually require, or maybe they don't care about that. But we actually made sure to comb through each law extensively. And that's why it took us so long to launch in Australia because we oh, had oh. to... Oh, sorry. Well... <laughs> cat's out of the bag. <laughs> There's a cat running across the room. I think the cat's out of the bag. Ladies and gentlemen, what are we just... Sorry, <laughs> So you yeah. want to you want to you want to fill us in? 
what's what's happening? So on Friday, yeah, yeah you deserve this more than Thank you. you since I'm the one who engineered the entire thing, <laughs> we are now available for businesses that are based in Australia. So yeah. any of you that are based in Australia can now generate your policies with Terminator. <clears throat> Thanks. Uh, the, the, the week that I become incorporated in the States, you launch in Australia. Appreciate that. Thanks. Your timing couldn't be That's worse. That's what we were waiting for. Yeah, we were waiting for you to become US-based. And then yeah. We're yeah. yeah. Great. That's great. Go on, Christina. No, I was just saying, because, you know, I've got about 18 licenses myself, and so I re- use it regularly. And I think one of the beauties that I that I like about it is that whizzy, is that wizard effect that you have, that if you, if this, then that. And so I walk through it with my clients. And I'm curious, is that the kind of process that you would recommend for some of the, some of these folks? But obviously, let's go back to the Australian side of things. But um, yeah, that was just kind of one of my questions. Yeah, so... Um- this is a balancing act because let's be real. A lot of clients know less than even the web agency. The web agency will know if they have Google analytics installed, the Mm -hmm. client might not have any clue. Mm -hmm. So I personally believe in it's a balancing act, but the most important thing is just ensuring you share the license with your client, whether you go through a screen share and go through it together first or right when you, what, right when they say, yeah, set me up with a Termageddon license, you just share it and send them the invoice. So it really is up to the agency and just kind of balancing out reality, which is that some Mm -hmm. clients need their hands held, others don't. Um, And one thing I'll note is, you know, as I'm sure you would know with Donata being the president of the company is we don't sacrifice comprehensiveness for usability. Mm -hmm. Uh, Comprehensiveness is number one, um, because that's why, and that's why we're recognized as a top privacy uh, policy generator by the IEPP. Um, but one thing I'm really excited to talk about is now that we've launched Australia, we're going to be heading into some major uh, UX improvements as well. So um, that's going to be the next big milestone for us is like implementing like a scanning feature, implementing um, uh, suggestions and everything like that over the coming you know months. Oh, I should cool. also just I should just drop this now that for those in Australia who are now able to reach out and chat with you guys and for anyone else around the world listening, if you haven't already checked out Termageddon, uh, get on over to Termageddon and get in touch and mention Agency Mavericks. Yep. And if you mention Agency Mavericks, what will happen, Hans? You'll hit that big green button behind you and the, the, the TARDIS will explode and you'll take off into outer space. Right? In addition to explosions, um, we will yeah. actually, instead of giving you one free license forever, which we that's our standard business model, we give agencies one free license for their own website, we'll give you two. Um, so if you have two websites, great. You can use both licenses for both of your websites. Or maybe you have one website, you can use the other and resell it for you know the 99 bucks a year process and see what that experience looks like. So you can see for yourself, you know, is this a, is this a tool I could see myself reselling to all my clients? Yeah, and all awesome. you have to do is go to termageddon.com and um, click on agency partners and apply there and mention agency mavericks and get to two free licenses. Do you know that we process those manually? So it might take us a couple hours to get to your registration. So don't make a payment or anything. Just hold tight and then we'll issue you the two free licenses and send you an email confirming that that's been done. Awesome. I'm, I'm curious, who else is on the team besides you two? So we have, so when I sold my agency, I sold my 12 person agency to a 75 person dev shop in Iowa. Um, wow. And we gave them the contract on working with Termageddon for several years. So we're still working with them. They're absolutely fantastic. Um, and yeah, we're, we're so they're we're, our design team, and then I'm the legal side, and Hans is the agency partnership side. Yep, cool, awesome. Uh, what 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 did you have to do in effect to get 
into Australia to get this private. I mean, I can't imagine it's just all those laws that are in place. It's bad enough in the US with California, Nevada. I mean, I keep waiting for Texas privacy laws to kick in. I don't know when that's going to happen, but you know, these are all these individual laws. How, how did you manage to get Australian privacy laws and terms and conditions? Yeah, so Australia has the Australia Privacy Act of 1988, and then that comes with the text of the law itself, and then it comes with various guidelines and cases. So basically, it was me and another attorney, and then combing through those laws, um, so and all of that guidance to see what the privacy policy requirements are, so like who the law applies to, and what the requirements are for the privacy policy, and how those should be written. And then, you know, there's always some kind of confusion with how the law is written versus how it should be implemented. So that was working with other attorneys in Australia and the Australian um, Information Commissioner's office as well of like reconciling those differences. So once you know what the law actually requires, then you map those requirements, those disclosures, um, see what questions you need to ask to get to those disclosures. And then mapping Australia's privacy law and how it connects to all the other privacy laws um, that we include in our generator. So, like for example, if you need CCPA compliance and Australia privacy law compliance, you know, how those interact together and what the text would say, writing up all the questions, all the different options, what happens if they answer yes to this, what happens if they answer no to that. Um, and then writing all of the text and all the different iterations of all the things that could happen mapping all of those together, adding them together with all of the different privacy laws that we actually offer compliance with. Um, and then, you know, giving that over to the dev team um, and, and actually developing all of that logic and all that text and all of those options out. So it's a very long process. It's a very tedious process. It can be a very frustrating process, especially when you have to work with legislators on like reconciling differences and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's, that's basically how you do it. And I'll tell you, my day feels very, I feel very uh, unaccomplished every <laughs> single day I work with Donata because I'm like, hey, yeah. what you, like, what'd you do over the last 30 minutes? And she's like, oh, yeah. I spoke with the Australian commissioner's yeah. office for oh, my gosh. on yeah. a privacy law from, you know, 30 years ago. And I'm just yeah. like, man, I like sent four emails. So, um, yeah, it basically <laughs> starts off with a, like a thousand and five sticky notes yeah. and then goes into like the mapping which is a bunch of different charts and color coding and and all of that so it's a it's a very interesting process very comprehensive you were right huh? she's very comprehensive <laughs> yeah right um and christina just to make a note to what you were talking about the, te the privacy bills in the u.s there are 20 privacy bills in the u.s right now several of them uh, if passed, will enable citizens of that state to sue any website owner located anywhere for collecting their name on a content form without a proper privacy policy comply with their privacy laws. We add, so we basically pay a lot of money for several software systems that monitor privacy laws and alert us, uh, excuse me, monitor privacy laws and privacy bills and alert us whenever there's changes being made and being proposed. So that's what allows us to constantly monitor and update um, our, our, our customers on what's going on with the privacy law landscape. So that's for kind of the first run. And then we obviously are, well, Donata is now the chair of the uh, American Bar's e-privacy committee. And it's not just the American Bar that's a part of that group. She brings in people from who wrote privacy laws elsewhere around the world. Um, so that community, as well as the IEPP, the International Association of Privacy Professionals, of which Donata is the Chicago chapter chair, 
um, which is a, a network of international privacy attorneys and certified information privacy professionals. Yeah. So it's several networks that we're connected with deeply um, that we communicate with. That and actually, too. Australia is um, considering an update to its privacy law as well. So that's been added to the yeah. track. Well, and all those things that you talk about just now, all those little areas of, of changes here, changes here, that's how I sell this. Mm-hmm. So it, every privacy term again is on every proposal that I have, because I think it's just that important. And when they ask me why, I basically just run down <laughs> the constant changes that are occurring in the US and Australia now. And I, I remind them, you can either do this or you can hire a privacy attorney. Right. So you can decide and you never know when this the, the change is going to happen. And your privacy attorney probably isn't going to tell you, hey, you need to update your privacy. And who knows long, who knows how long that's going to take. So that's yep. one of my selling points is I kind of run through all these bullet points that you guys provide. And it, it almost sells itself just because of the, 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 the there's just so much to it constantly changing. And, yeah. and the threat is there. What, and even what is the, the United Kingdom and um, Canada are actually considering changes to their privacy laws too, just because so many companies have done um, a lot of privacy abuses have happened lately. And there's so much tracking happening online. And a lot of these privacy laws just need to be updated, considering how personal information is used nowadays. So pretty much every country is considering updates right now. And I got it. Well, I- I got to say real quick, you know, if for anyone who just needs to be like refreshed real quick, it's important. To, if I could teach web agencies anything, and that's kind of like the mission I'm on with term again, it's two things. Well, three things. Number oh, one, God, don't copy and paste privacy policy templates for your clients. Like that was what? like, <laughs> yeah, right? for those free generators. I'll yeah. be honest what? with you. I did the free generator thing. So, so but, you know, and that was one of, that was what started Termageddon is like, I was like, of course I copy and paste privacy policies for my clients and Donata couldn't believe it. And, you I know, almost fell out of my chair, just like Troy did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The second thing I want to say is like, if you can just remember anything, just know that, Personal information is regulated by privacy laws and privacy laws don't care about where a business is located. Yeah. You can be located in Chicago, but you have to comply with one or both of California's privacy laws. If you collect data from that, uh, from California Mm -hmm. residents and that, that is a universal fact of privacy laws and privacy laws don't care where you're located. They only are there to protect their residents. And that's the broad reaching nature of privacy laws. And it leads me into my third statement, which is that, we're firm believers that you cannot just have a privacy policy and then move on in life. You have to have a strategy to keep it up with new, uh, keep it up to date with new disclosures as they become required by new applicable privacy laws. And that's just like the three main messages I, I, I you see recycled even almost um, in our messaging until it finally, like, until our partners like, ah, I get it. I shouldn't copy and paste privacy policies. I should tell my clients, go to a privacy attorney or you can use an alternative like Termageddon. And that's, that seems to be a good messaging that's educational and not salesy, it's just to the point. Before I ask a philosophical question about privacy, what's the recurring revenue model for an agency partner reselling Termageddon? What's the potential upside? Yeah, so um, you can sell term- Termageddon retails at 99 bucks a year. So I always re- recommend charging like a $200 setup fee, one to $200 setup fee just to copy and paste the embed codes on the site. Christina mentioned like doing a Zoom walkthroughs and just make sure you charge for your setup time. Give it and then just dollar setup fee, yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. perfect. And then and then just uh, set them up with an automated ninety nine dollar per year subscription. Um, you as an agency partner will be able to buy licenses one at a time at thirty eight dollars and forty cents per year, um, and be able to share the license with them. So 
It's great because you get paid for your time to do the setup. And then you make an extra hundred bucks a year off that client. Um, and you know, no one's getting rich off term again, uh, by any stretch of the word, but you are educating your client on the fact that, you know, Hey, I just built a website for you that can collect well, regulated it's, data. It's a really great tool to keep in touch with your clients. So it's, a mm-hmm. you know, beyond just you know, our strategy calls that we typically have, it's a, it's a great excuse to have that annual conversation. Okay. 22 coming around. We got to go through ABC and your termageddon, um, uh, privacy policy in terms of, let's just go through it together. Has anything changed? Has your return policies changed? Have your cancellations changed? You know, and mm. I don't know that. So it's just a really great way to keep in front of our clients on an annual basis. You know, actually, um, there's one thing that I did forget to mention. So the we're launching privacy policies in terms of service for Australian customers. And the beauty of of what I did. <laughs> Thank you, Bray. Um, if you have the terms of service that you're generating with Termageddon and you do business with Australian consumers, so you sell goods or services to Australian consumers through your website, you do need to comply with Australian consumer protection laws. And those laws have very strict requirements on what warranties you offer, cancellations, refunds, all of that information. And what the wizard does is when you're answering the questionnaire, so when you're answering the question of like, what warranties do you provide, it actually provides you with information of what warranties you need to provide under Australian consumer protection laws. So you can make sure that your warranties comply with those laws so that you're not investigated or fined by the government for violating um, Australian consumer protection laws. So it provides you with information on, on what to add there to make sure you're compliant with those laws, which is also something that our competitors don't do. So you can make sure that you have all those right disclosures, that you're compliant with the Australian Privacy Act and the consumer protection laws at the same time for your terms and your privacy policy. And, and I should know, Donata said earlier, we're not here to bash our competitors. We're just here to build the most comprehensive generator in the world. And that's really that's okay. Our this is a yeah. private Facebook group. You can beat the shit out of your competitors if you like. <laughs> I don't mind. In fact, I encourage that kind of behavior here. Um, the the, uh, uh, the So the way I would position this is I wouldn't even mention the price of Termageddon and in fact, I wouldn't even mention Termageddon. I would just, this would be, if you're, if I would position this as part of our growth plan. By the way, the compliance work is a given. We're just going to take care of that for you. We just, that's a done service for our growth partners. Mm-hmm. My hard cost is 38, 40 a year. I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't be selling this as a separate line item to clients. I'd be putting it as part of their growth plan or their premium care plan or whatever. That way I'd just make more out of it and I wouldn't have to itemize it. Um, that's just my personal take on it. Um the the how e what's in is it, is it an embed code that I is that what happens how does it auto update because so on my page it's actually like an iframe or something is it yeah so um, after you generate your policies you get an embed code and that's just what gets copied and pasted into the body of the policy pages um, so it. that is what allows us at Termageddon yeah. to control what that, that those policies say and push updates whenever they mm-hmm. want and just so you know um, with what you just mentioned earlier Troy. Um, there's many agencies that do white label us. My personal recommendation is to take advantage of being able to share the license with the client. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is they will see the term again, branding at that point in time, but by sharing the license, it really does mean it's a set it and forget it solution for the agency, because then you no longer feel like you have to communicate privacy law updates in the future. Now, Christina takes it to the next level by using leveraging it as an opportunity to speak with clients. So I totally see how you could implement it. And I will definitely yeah. say Termageddon is built with maintenance plans in mind and care plans yeah, yeah. in mind. So yeah. um, that's why we, great examples, why we say 
is an approved agency partner, you instantly get access to wholesale rates that you can buy one at a time. You don't have to buy a hundred. You can just buy them one at a time. Yeah, can I, I, I buy? Can I buy fifty at a time? Yes, you can. We yeah. we always have specials. <laughs> when you share the license with a client, they'll accept our terms of service and our mm-hmm. privacy policy, meaning that we're the ones that are responsible for their privacy policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know, you probably don't necessarily want to be responsible for that because that could open up your agency to fines or lawsuits if your client is fined or sued for privacy law non-compliance. So uh-huh. having them accept our terms of service means that we're the ones that are responsible. That's why we hire them. And it can help protect your agency. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's, what, how, do you get, how do you leverage Termageddon to start a conversation with a prospect that you, wanna, that, you, that you can see there's potential here for a bigger project, but I just want to get my foot in the door? Yeah, so a foot in the door strategy is when when you start to get it, it doesn't have to be term again. If you just start to learn about your role as the web designer and building lead generating websites, but having everything in mind. When once once you pick up the knowledge of what you need to disclose as a professional web agency as it relates to privacy, you have an edge on competitors. And and I guess this is salesy, but this is just genuinely how I feel because. Mm. Once you start to like understand a tool like Termageddon, you're going to start to see websites that are clearly not doing things correctly with website policies. And mm-hmm. that to me is yet again, one of those types of foot in the door type opportunities to kind of raise awareness of like, look, you're collecting regulated data. You know, I don't know what your plans are, but if you haven't updated your website in a while, you know, maybe we can talk about some opportunities on how to build a fully comprehensive website. So that's really a roughed up. I would have to, yeah. you know, and I guess that because, because otherwise you can come across as being quite spammy, right? Like, yeah. hey, I was checking out your website and it doesn't like your privacy policy is compliant and you're going to get your ass sued, but I can help you for a hundred bucks. Exactly. Because that's what I would do. Because I'm not very sophisticated. <laughs> so how do you avoid that? Like, how do you, what's the, the, uh, the angle to tactfully, uh, it's like the carrot and the stick, isn't it? How do you whack yeah. someone with a stick but do it tastefully? So, I'm, I love sales. I love helping people. And that's why I love sales. So I, yeah. as a salesperson, I personally think that Termageddon is not like going to be some sort of magical lead generator where it's going to just open all doors and give you all this business. But what I do see it being is a representation for your comprehensive knowledge of what makes a website great. And that's why I think like it might not be like that, that like initial thing that you do that starts a conversation, but I think it's while you're having the conversation, you being able to demonstrate that you have a lot more knowledge than just building a high converting website, that you know what it takes to build a great website. So I know that I'm not sales, but can I try to for a second? Okay. So here's my take on it. And again, I'm not in sales, so I could be completely wrong here, but a lot of people focus on the fines and the lawsuits that can come from privacy law non-compliance. And that's obviously really important. You want to make sure that your clients aren't fined or sued. But there is another portion of privacy compliance that can actually benefit a business. So a lot of consumers nowadays are actually looking out for privacy policies and good privacy practices when they're determining whether or not to do business with somebody. And if you don't believe me on that, feel free to follow us um, on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. I actually share a lot of very interesting studies that have been done recently on how privacy can be a competitive advantage and how it can actually win you customers. Um, And I think that those studies and those figures is something that can be very beneficial to share with customers or prospects 
when talking about why they need a privacy policy or why privacy law compliance can actually get them business. So maybe sharing some of the more positive facts around privacy law compliance can help as well. I I like to also discuss the the terms of service. So it's not just the privacy policy. For me, the sales, the the thing that attracts a lot of people are those terms of service. They don't really think about these questions when it comes to returns and cancellations. And it almost gets like, Mm -hmm. I never even thought about that. We don't have that documented anywhere. And again, I go back, well, people are looking for this stuff. Well, they're going to, and most of my clients are in the construction field. So they want to know is what happens if I give you a deposit? It. If it's in the terms of service, and, and, and again, these aren't e-commerce sites. I, I explained to them, these aren't products, and when am I going to get my bunny back if it doesn't work? These are service industries. Mm-hmm. And I explained to them that with privacy in terms of service, it's still very, very important to outline mm-hmm. and be very transparent about cancellations and deposits and refunds. And when do I get, you know, is it after you start? Is it before? And they're like, we just never thought of that you yeah. know so it's yeah. a really great conversation to have and i think going back to y'all's point when it comes to a sales tool i don't really sell this in in any first calls you know we it usually is discussed when i'm presenting the proposal i say oh by the way we're going to do this for you um, but i do like troy's idea of just not it's not a separate item if you're on my premier care plan then it's just included we're doing this for you i'll share it you know, you're still going to have access to Termageddon. It is Termageddon, brands all over the place, but it's not, you don't have to pay an additional fee until you decide to leave. But yeah, I think part of the sales is just having that conversation. Again, I know what I'm talking about. I'm authority. I'm an expert in my field and here's why. Yeah, do you guys, sorry, sorry um, do you guys, do you guys do e-commerce like shipping and returns policies and absolutely. Oh. Yes. Um, so cancellation policies, shipping <clears throat> policies, Um, returns, refunds, warranties, remedies, all of that is included in the terms of service. And another thing to think about is put yourself in the shoes of the consumer too. So if I'm buying something online, my first question is, am I going to be able to return this if it doesn't work for me? And I look at their terms of service and if it doesn't include that information, I'll go somewhere else that tells me exactly what I need to know. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to contact the business and ask them for their returns policy. I'm not going to waste my time. So having all of that information included in your terms, if you have an e-commerce website, whether it's goods, services, or digital products, is very, very helpful in moving that consumer towards making a purchase. At least when I buy stuff, it's like that for me, and I'm sure it's like that for a lot of people. And Troy, a very cool thing about our returns, cancellations, and stuff like that is, Donato's mentioned earlier, we've integrated consumer protection laws spanning multiple countries, and we'll give you alerts like if you're trying to do something that's not allowed. Um, And you can still proceed even if it's not allowed. If you want to break the law, that's up to you. But we do provide you with those notifications. If you're from the UK or Australia, US doesn't really have consumer protection laws that apply to terms of service. So it's kind of the Wild West out here. But if you are in one of those countries, we do provide you with notifications of what's allowed, what's not allowed, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And, And I have a fun fact for you. Did you know if you're an Ireland resident that your consumer protection rights give you the ability to buy something and then return it for full price refund up to seven years yeah. after buying it. Boom. <laughs> years. I'm going wow. to move to Ireland and buy a car and just return it after yeah, six years. Yeah. yeah. Send it back after seven years. I'm done. <laughs> give me a refund. Isn't that a philosophical conversation yes. that could derail, could derail things a little bit. Tell me, why does privacy matter? 
So in my, yeah, I'll let you digest it. I have some initial immediate thoughts. Um, The one thing I've been really focused on is I don't like how everyone thinks about, oh, well, it's just because of remarketing and like, I'm just going to get more relevant ads to me. Like, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a valuable reason to respect the right to privacy. I'm a big believer in that it is a right to have, there is a right to privacy that people should have. And we don't know what will happen if people lose that, if people lose privacy rights. And I, mm. I speak to that thinking about other laws that have passed in America, like, well, I'm not going to, I'm going to decline from speaking specifics um, just because I don't want this to become a political thing. But mm-hmm. the moment people lose rights is when I think the moment they can be taken more advantage of and mm-hmm. lose. I mean, it's losing rights, lack the lack of the ability to say things they may want to say and stuff like that. So I would say that the right to privacy is important because we don't know what will happen if people don't have a right to privacy. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Uh, for me, so privacy is generally defined as the right to be left alone. Um, mm. And to me, I think that's very, very important is the ability to not be inundated with things that I don't necessarily want to see. Um, mm. You know, whether it's ads, whether it's the incessant text messages that are, that are used for marketing without people's permission things like that are just very annoying to people. Um, And whether or not you think that privacy matters to you, doing those things can tarnish your reputation as a brand. Um, It really can, because if somebody receives something from you that they didn't want to get, like, for example, if I get a text message from you at 3am, that's, you know, marketing text, and obviously Mm. no one here has done that, um, you know, sorry, <laughs> I've never received a text from anyone here, but you know, tiny matter of time. People are annoyed by that, and they won't want to do business with you. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, so it's Damn, no longer people no longer think that okay, I can just give up my information for this discount, and all I get is a discount, and then we're done, and I'm happy. No, it follows you around and follows you for for months and years and years and years, and that's something mm-hmm. that's very annoying to consumers. Um, and it's something that can make consumers stop wanting to do business with you. And I think in a business setting, that's probably why privacy is important: is not losing customers. What, what, what about what about like uh, what about things like identity theft? So identity theft. Well, I'll have to think about that. You I mean, think about that one. I want to go back to the philosophy question. Right? Yeah, I mean, well, because because there there are like right. particularly you know or, or, or credit card theft, for example, right? Like, I mean, yeah. it, there are there are. Uh, I mean, there was a story, you know, years ago, Woo Themes had a horrible experience uh, back in, I think it was like, I want to say maybe 2015, maybe I was at WordCamp Europe and they'd just been through a horrible experience where they had a whole bunch of customer, their customer database was hacked and a whole bunch of credit cards were stolen and oh it was God. awful. And they'd made a decision not to, not to, not to ha- not to host customer credit card details on filing well, I think they went back to a PayPal checkout back then mm-hmm. yeah. um, but I mean there, there, there are there are my wife's a psychologist right so so we have like I mean we don't have a home phone number but her mobile number is silent our address is like not listed uh, she's very conscious of like people not knowing you know her name on Facebook is not her real name um, you know she goes by Cindy Crawford on Facebook which is you know um, <laughs> Um, uh, so, so she, whereas me, I'm like, I don't give a shit, put a chip in my head and follow me around and broadcast my life on YouTube. I don't give a, like, I got nothing to hide. Right. And in fact, you know, like if people find that interesting, they're a bit sad if they want to follow me around and watch my life. So, uh, so I'm like the polar opposite. I don't, I don't, I actually don't, 
I'd have random strangers like walk, like watch me through the window and I'd go, hey, you doing? It's good. Like it wouldn't bother me at all, right? I'd get off on that. So I'm like the opposite end of the spectrum. And um, But now that we've got kids, I kind of get that there is something about protecting, the, like they're not on Facebook. Like my kids are not on social media. We don't take photos. I don't share birthdays. I don't post them all the have so happy she got this award and I don't do any of that. that Because I know how the algorithm works and I'm like, (laughs) stay away from my fucking children. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm happy to exploit the algorithm for my own commercial benefit. (laughs) So, um, because I'm a capitalist and I'm allowed to do that. So, but but I'm curious, like it it is like privacy is not just about retargeting and it's not just about receiving text messages. I mean, there are deeper implications of having your, I mean, I go through my one password vault, right? I'm like, holy shit, there are 850 companies on the internet that have my email address and my first name and probably my phone number and my address and my credit card. I'm like, that's only a matter of time before. Oh, it's done. Uh, what do you mean, matter of time? Yeah. That's your address and phone. It's out there. It's right. you know, when you get all these targets been been hacked and your email and phone numbers. I'm like, that's such old news at this point. Mm. I assume my number's out there. I assume everything's out there. So it's just mm. a protection on personal. But I think the deeply implicate. I mean, I don't give a shit about people ringing me and trying to sell me stuff because no, I have yeah. fun with them. Like, I, it's it's a game for me. I love it because uh, they're really most of them are really bad. Uh, especially the guys that pretend to be from Amazon that want to clarify your account details. I'm like, really? Oh, I'll play wow. the game. <laughs> oh, it happens. Uh, it happens a couple of times a week and they're awful at it. And I tell them, I'm like, dude, you're an awful scammer, dude. Like, you don't know what you're doing, right? Let me hang with me for a bit, brother. I'll teach you a thing or two. Um, but it's really the identity theft that, that fright. It's like having my passport, like, mm-hmm. like th- there being like a terrorist attack somewhere and then me being identified as one of the perpetrators or one of the, or being involved because my passport was used, right? As false. That's the thing that frightens the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I do as I as I get older and I have children and I become I pretend to become more responsible. I do I am actually getting a little bit concerned about privacy, but it's not from a marketing thing. It's like yeah. it, it's it's having my identity stolen. I think right. I'll just get my passport if you like and hold it up to the screen, <laughs> screenshot, <laughs> and then we're done, right? You know, there's a couple things that go there, right? So a great example is facial recognition. So a lot of uh-huh. software now, a lot of phones, a lot of stores use facial recognition um, without the consumer's permission or even knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And that facial recognition can be used later on to mm-hmm. potentially create deep fakes or transpose your mm-hmm. facial image over somebody else who rob that store right um or or somebody who assaulted somebody by that store um or you could be incorrectly identified as that person who committed that assault um if your facial features are relatively similar to the person who did that and or biometrics can't be changed so you can change your passport number get a new social security number um you know get a new license things like that you can't change your facial biometrics you can't change your fingerprint um things like that can't be changed um, and those privacy violations will follow you for the rest of your life. Um, mm. You know, unauthorized charges on your card, um, you mm-hmm. know, people taking loans or mortgages out in, in your name, things like that. And, <laughs> oh, wow. But one thing that we don't really think about is societal norms and expectations. So the things that companies know about you today, they create a profile of you, right? And they uh-huh. use that profile for targeting and ads and, and whatever. And we can look past that violation regardless of how annoying it is. But let's say that right now you have a dog, right? And we have dogs too. And the societal norm right now is that it's completely normal to have dogs. Everybody has dogs. It's great. We love them. 
let's say 10 years from now, owning a dog becomes something that's really horrible, right? It becomes a taboo. And now because that profile was created of you, you're known as this horrible dog owner, right? Mm. So societal norms and expectations change. And if mm. there's profiles built about you that have this information that's really innocent now, right? Nobody can use that information against you that you're a dog owner. But if those mm. societal norms change, all of a sudden that information can become extremely damaging to you. Yeah. 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 You don't have and we see it happening privacy. now all the time, you know. Yeah, and if you don't have the right okay. to privacy to have that information mm. deleted about you, that information mm. can follow you and turn against you in the mm-hmm. future as well. So that's to me, that's probably the most scary part of, of privacy violations is what can happen in the future. Like, yes, now they use it to target ads and send you exactly. tracks, but what can yeah. you do with it in the future? So I can't help but jump in and maybe I can articulate how the philosophical question, like why does privacy matter? And and my one an, my one sentence response would be because I don't want to live out a black mirror experience. <laughs> okay. And I really mean it that way because yeah. black mirror plays out scenarios of what the future could look like. And that's why it's so mm-hmm. eerie to anyone who watches this. It. Like, oh, I could see it com- becoming this. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, yeah. and privacy rights are a fight back towards that, to, towards yeah. that dystopian type of look and feel. And, and you know, I'm not trying to be a doomer here. Like, sure. I, look, I-, I Well, I, China's I, got a very strict, you know, when it comes to their social credits. Oh, God. Right? Yeah, when you yeah, look yeah. at what China's done, that's a Black Mirror episode oh, right there and then. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And to think that that's where we're at right now when mm. smartphones didn't even exist 10 years ago and we're already yeah. at that stage. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. so so I, do, I can't predict what the future will be like, but what I can say is the world would be in a better place if we human beings have rights to our privacy. And, yeah. and because there's so many ways this could get very slippery very quickly. Actually, I have a and great I, example. Real quick, hold on, real quick. Okay. It goes back to what um, Troy said about <laughs> identity theft. So when I think of identity theft, I think about one person's identity getting stolen. It, it kind of caught me off guard there, but really how does identity theft happen in bulk? Well, that's through a data breach. A data breach yeah. is occurring when a company's database gets ha- gets hacked. And if people yeah. don't have privacy laws out there, a company in theory doesn't even have to disclose the fact that they were breached. And how horrifying of an idea is that where a company mm. doesn't have a legal obligation to disclose to their users like, hey, we got breached. Like that's a mm. that's an issue that I I believe that people who gave data to a company, they have a right to know did my data get breached? And, mm-hmm. you know, can I delete my data ahead of time in case mm-hmm. I don't want them to have that data that mm-hmm. they don't necessarily need? Yeah, mm-hmm. I have a real quick, I have a really good example of what happens when there's a lack of privacy rights. And this actually happened to me. So I'm a resident of Illinois and I have essentially no privacy rights because I reside here and we have no comprehensive privacy law unless you're talking about biometrics. Anyways, I used to have an Amazon account, used to have. So what happened was I received an email saying that my account password has been changed and I never requested that account password to be changed. I try to go into my account, can't get in it. Turns out that my account got hacked and it had all of my information, my past purchases, my credit card information, my address, like the addresses of my family members that I bought gifts for before. Mm-hmm. And I contacted Amazon saying, hey, you need to lock down this account because it's been hacked. You never sent me a password confirmation email, like nothing. Mm-hmm. And they refused to do it. Mm-hmm. And I asked, can you delete my account then? And they refused to do it. Can you delete my information? No, we can't. And they tried to reset my account. They sent sent the information to reset the account to the scammer. I mean, it was just a nightmare. 
And I didn't have the right to ask for my personal information to be deleted. So this person had access to all of this information, could use it however they wanted to do it. And Amazon refused to do anything. And I didn't have the right to, to have it deleted. So I was basically just shit out of luck. And what I ended up doing because I'm a privacy lawyer is I contacted my state's attorney general, complained, and then my account was deleted really quickly. But that's oh my god! But you had to go to that that yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. The one person how far in you have to go yeah. to have your information deleted, even wow. though you know for a fact that a scammer had access to it. Mm, and wow. that's what happens when you don't have privacy rights. Yeah. So and I will so you, know we're ju- we're jumping into philosophy. This is <laughs> this is not an official position. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I dragged this here. Human beings talking, you know, what does this world look like? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's life. interesting like how quickly societal norms change, right? I was born in the yeah. 70s, kind of grew up in the in the late 70s and the 80s. I have a bunch of books from my childhood called Golden Circle books and they have this kind of gold spine mm. and cool. they're all on the top shelf of Oscar's uh, bookshelf. He's now four. And he, he's like, I want to read one of these at night. We read him books. We read him like 800 books every night before he goes to bed. It's a fucking production. It's like a two-hour pantomime just to get the kid into bed. And anyway, I take one of these books off the shelf, and it's the little old lady who lives in a shoe. And I'm like, oh, we'll read you this story, the little old lady who lives in a shoe who spanks her children every night before they go to bed, right? And I'm like, oh, hang on. No, no, uh, we can't. I'll just close the book before we get to that, right? And then uh, we're reading Hansel and Gretel, which is traumatic. The stepmother le- – I'd never read it before, right? I'm reading and I'm like, oh, this is a happy book. The stepmother leaves them in the woods mm-hmm. to perish and they happen to find and their way to a little by a little old lady. <laughs> I can cook them, right? I'm like, what the hell? So anyway, so now we have this funny thing where whenever I'm talking about, you know, when daddy grew up, Oscar says, oh, is that back in the old days where people used to smack their children? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh God. my God. Yes, that's right. That's oh. what used to happen in the 70s, right? Mm. And sometimes I'll say to him, you're lucky it's not the 70s, dude. You're lucky <laughs> it's not the 70s, right? I've got a book um, from Germany from the 60s where I, I still have it. It, it. Its purpose was to scare children, purposely scare uh-oh. children. And it's a uh-oh. you can find it. It's, it's old, but it's from the 30s and 40s. My mother gave it to me, and it's like a, a kid that kept sucking his thumb. He cut, oh. They cut his thumbs off. Oh, wow. The book has blood squirting out of his hands with this dude with a scissor. Oh. That's what I grew up with. Yeah. I grew up with books like that. Yeah. Wow. So, 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 this is a, we're talking a generation. We're talking like a generation and things yep. have changed. With so, yes. so In 30 yeah. years, we're going to say, can you believe that companies used to just take our data and do whatever yeah. they yeah. wanted yeah. with it and we couldn't yeah. do anything yeah. about it? Hey, yeah, yeah, before... Yeah. I want to ask, there's a couple of chat questions in here, if you don't mind. And, and then yeah. they're good. So one of them, and, and I agree too, does everybody need a privacy policy? No. So does a window cleaner need a privacy yeah. policy? So, it, yeah. so so you need a privacy policy if your website is collecting personal information. Right. So if your website is collecting names, emails, phone numbers, addresses, or IP addresses, or really any information that could identify somebody, Mm-hmm. then you need to have a privacy policy. Mm-hmm. And websites usually collect that information through like contact forms, email newsletter, sign-up forms, account creation forms, stuff like that. Um, and if you're looking to figure out whether a particular privacy law applies to you that requires your website to have a privacy policy, head over to our blog, termageddon.com slash blog, 
and search what laws require websites to have a privacy policy. And it'll have a list of all the privacy laws and who they apply to. So you can just quickly look through those requirements and see if any particular law requires you to have a privacy policy. And I think I think James just asked, like, well, when does a website not need a privacy policy? And that one's really simple. When a website's not collecting personal information. So personal information, names, emails, phone numbers, IP addresses, that is regulated data. So if you're not collecting that, you do not need a privacy policy. But what if you're doing Google Analytics? That's collecting IP address and sharing that data with data analytics providers. And so to me, every website has a Google Analytics. In my so opinion. if you're using Google Analytics, you got to have a privacy policy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's fair to actually say. the terms of service of Google Analytics also requires you to have a privacy that's policy. True, true. So when you install that, you agree to their terms of service. You agree to have a privacy policy. Mm-hmm. That's even more of a selling point yeah. then. I got to put that in my proposal. <laughs> and I know it's kind of like a, it sounds like a little scene. Well, any website that doesn't collect personal information and then everyone's like well every website collects personal information and i'm like aha there so so that's kind of but but it's important i think it is grounding at least it was for me to understand what website doesn't need a privacy policy a there website that doesn't collect personal information yeah that's simple there's websites out there that don't collect it, it is are, possible yeah, yeah. uh jaden wanted to know your credentials again jaden just go to termageddon.com and go to the about us page and donata's credentials are there uh, as 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 are uh, Hans's, but I think Donata's credentials in this case Hans, are probably <laughs> yeah, more applicable and a little more comprehensive. <laughs> my my, my bio is at the bottom, like you know. Towards, towards, towards oh, by the, the way, corner. Hans, yeah, too. Like, yeah, like a crappy photo of me. Like, yeah, so a, here's Hans. Yeah, I'm a JD um, licensed to practice in Illinois and a certified information privacy. There you go. Awesome. And, and, and the, and the chair the of the e-privacy committee in the American Bar Association. There you and go. Chicago chapter chair of the International Association of Privacy Professionals. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing. I'm a university dropout. Um, hey, this is the agency hour. We are we're actually Pete's renamed it the agency almost hour. Uh, we are almost at the hour here. Um Termageddon.com is where you go to uh, get a piece of the action. Let them know. Let the guys know that you came from Agency Mavericks and they will give you not one but two free lifetime licenses, one for your website, one you can resell to your mother-in-law for however much you can get, uh, and then have a conversation with them about how you can use Termageddon as part of your ongoing recurring revenue plans. Uh, That's awesome. Thank you so much for being here an hour earlier than you expected because of the time zones. Really appreciate it. And congratulations on launching in Australia. I think I'll get my team to get in touch with you and maybe you can do an audit of our privacy policies and let us know where we um, are broken and how to fix it. That would be be cool. I promise you we'll be comprehensive. (laughs) Thank you for having us. This is really fun. Excellent. No worries. Hey, we're going to bounce. Thanks very much for being here. Uh, Hans and Donata from Termageddon. Thanks again. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Christina. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Agency Hour podcast. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Audible, and wherever you like to listen. You can catch all of the Agency Hour episodes on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash agency mavericks. Or you can get involved. Check out our free Digital Mavericks Facebook group, where we broadcast these episodes live for our community every week, along with a ton of free training. We'll see you there.